This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, May 11th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Michael Jordan's 1992 Summer Olympics Dream Team jacket is going on the auction block. We'll talk about the potential bidding in our next segment. But right now, interest rate hikes are making it more expensive to carry debt. Let's talk about what you can do about it with Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Ed, thank you for joining us today for the vast majority majority of Americans that we talk about carrying debt, we're talking about uh, carrying a credit card balance. And regardless of where that credit card balance came from, uh, the cost of maintaining that balance has grown by leaps and bounds over the past year. Carrying debt, especially consumer debt on credit cards, most credit cards have that variable rate. And given what the Federal Reserve did uh, all of last year is really ca- causing that cost of carrying that debt burden to be to be very onerous for a lot of people. And so you might really want to focus in on ways of reducing that as best you can. So you can't get that kind of return, let's say, in the markets. But ultimately, it's a really financial challenge. Uh, the more debt you carry, especially with these high rates. And then when it comes to uh, trying to knock down that credit card debt, uh, some of the suggestions that have been uh, put forth on this program before include uh, possibly uh, transferring that balance to a 0% interest rate credit card and then trying to just pay down that balance. Yeah, remember, Rob, it takes discipline to pay that down. What you don't want to find yourself doing is, is going on that daisy chain, right? You go from one card to another, only to get that previous card balances up high because you don't have that discipline. So why we, while we agree with that, hey, 0% financing, try to pay it down, invoking discipline to keep those balances down as best as you can permanently is a better approach. And then what are some other uh, common forms of household debt? I mean, you do have some people who, uh, during the pandemic, decided to take on some home improvement projects and uh, may have uh, borrowed against the equity in their home to uh, get those home improvement projects done and have discovered that if they had a floating interest rate, that it went from being uh, relatively cheap to uh, pay that interest every month to uh, a real big burden. Yeah, it's an excellent point, Rob. Again, like credit card interest rates, the home equity lines, most of those, nearly all of them have floating rate interest. And so individuals generally pay interest only, and those payments have doubled easily over the years. So again, like you said, what was a cheap uh, way of getting funds to help, let's say, home improvements or other things is now more expensive. And now you find yourself in a really challenging spot because you can't, for instance, refi your mortgage at an inexpensive rate and then all of a sudden find yourself um, uh, trying to refinance that uh, HELOC into a fixed rate because that rate is high as well. So you run into these issues 
in regards to uh, these higher rates. There's, there's very little wiggle room other than just trying to figure out a way of fixing your costs. And then are we just uh, stuck here right now if, if you are dealing with higher interest rates? or Because there's the, uh, there's the federal funds rate, which uh, the Fed has been hiking on a monthly basis for almost a year. But then there are other interest rates tied to the bond market. So if you are dealing with higher interest rate debt right now, is there relief in sight just based on the uh, day-to-day fluctuations of the market? Yeah, this is going to be counterintuitive, but all this talk about a recession will actually be a good thing because in a recessionary environment, typically interest rates come down. And if that's the case, then it's going to be uh, the ability for borrowers to borrow at a lower rate. So while these rates today might be a little bit painful, you know, again, you don't want to hope for a recession, but slower economic times can potentially reduce those interest rates to a more uh, to a level where people can uh, better afford it, if you would. Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago, the website EngageWealthGroup.com. Coming up, how much would you pay for an iconic Michael Jordan jacket? Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A very special piece of Michael Jordan memorabilia is expected to draw mega bids when it goes in the auction block this summer. Let's preview the sale with Stephen Fischler, CEO of ComicConnect.com and Metropolis Comics based in New York. Stephen, thank you for joining us today. And it just goes to show you that anything connected to Michael Jordan, the moment it hits the uh, auction block, it usually fetches top dollar. Well, you know, that notion of all the greatest uh, professional basketball players uh, participating in the Olympics has always been sort of fantasized by basketball aficionados and, and fans. And it all came together in the dream team, the 1992 uh, uh, U.S. basketball team, which really caught uh, the, the interest of the entire world. And uh and there's no better symbol of that team than Michael Jordan in his prime, which was 1992. This particular, uh, it's Jordan's warm-up jersey, really is, uh, you know, we don't want to overuse uh, a phrase, but I, I think in this particular case, uh, anytime you have Michael Jordan and you combine him with a, a famous moment, uh, it, it, it qualifies as iconic. And it's it's a fabulous piece. Uh, and again, it's just what somebody's willing to pay or what two people are willing to pay. But uh, I, I I stand in awe of it. It, and, and this, it, has a, it has an aura. And and this was the warm-up jacket that he wore. And it actually was featured in a, in a very uh, uh, prominent moment, not only in the history of, of the Olympics, but also in the history of Michael Jordan. It was a Reebok warm-up jacket. He was wearing this when they won the gold medal that year in Barcelona, 1992. But of course, because MJ was a Nike guy and so connected to that brand and loyal to it, he actually covered up the Reebok logo when he was when he when he received the gold medal so this is the jacket he was wearing back then absolutely and and it just creates an additional nuance in the fact that you're dealing with a, a what should have been according to Nike a Nike moment wearing a brand of a different uh, uh company and it just shows you the complexity at that level uh but it it the fact that it has the 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 the, the Reebok logo just sort of adds to the, the, the aura and the story behind the drama of the moment. And, and, and just speaking as someone who was uh, 12 years old 
the summer of the 1992 Olympics, and I was there at the time and growing up in Chicago, and I had to explain to people, you don't know what it was like if you weren't there, because Michael Jordan as a celebrity, as an athlete, uh, in my mind, there is nothing. there was nothing like it before or since. And that 1992 Dream Team, there have been subsequent Dream Teams made up of like the best of the NBA at, at the time the Olympics were all around, but there was nothing like that first group, because in my mind, that was a galaxy of stars that just could not be topped. I, I think it was the, the, the phrase, the dream team. I think for years people said, what if, what if? And so when it actually came together, people didn't think it actually would come together. But when it came together, people, the, 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 the interest just exploded. It's, it's, a, it's a, just a special moment in, in time, just, not just in sports, but in American pop culture, I think it, it extends beyond the game of basketball. It extends beyond an Olympic event. It has all the qualities you want rolled up in the form of a, a warm-up jacket. Stephen Fischler, CEO of ComicConnect.com and Metropolis Comics, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today to talk about the uh, Michael Jordan 1992 Olympics Dream Team warm-up jacket uh, that will uh, hit the auction block soon. Could get up to $3 million. Coming up next, the job outlook for the current crop of college graduates. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. College graduates are proudly walking across stages and accepting diplomas, meeting for most, it's time to get a job. Let's take a look at the current employment market with Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thank you for joining us today. If you are a member of the class of 2023 and you have the graduation commencement ceremony, you walk across the stage, you get the sheepskin, you have the party with your parents, and then what kind of job market are you walking into the next day? Well, fortunately, that population is walking into a very good market. So unemployment for the age group 20 to 24-year-old, it's down to 5.4%, which is the lowest it's been since 1969. And I wasn't even looking for a job back then. So it's pretty good. Well, I was going to say, in my own situation uh, in May of 2002, I already had the radio gig lined up. So the day after graduation, I went back to work at, in Milwaukee. So I feel like uh, my experience is not necessarily uh, reflective of a lot of others. And this is a type of job market that is uh, very different from, let's say, uh, 15 or 16 years ago, uh, when a lot of people, because of the Great Recession, decided to take a gap year or just to go to graduate school because the prospects weren't there. Yeah, and and it's interesting. The market is is changing so quickly. Uh, the job market, I mean, specifically both on the employer hiring side and the employee uh, that those that are looking. So what we know and we've known for a long time is that the STEM background graduates, those with science technology, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, they're very very marketable, and they're not going to have a problem finding work. Um, but we also have a real uptick for that 20 to 24 group in retail education, healthcare, uh, accounting. Nobody wants to do accounting. The other thing that we have to think about, though, is this is going to hang on for a while. We have smaller populations across the developed nations. So that, you know, the, uh, Japan is almost disappearing in terms of growth. And at the same time, COVID created a lot of um, the great retirement, et cetera, people who just disappeared out of the market. So 
the bottom end of the pool, the, the, the new hires, that's the critical part of the market. That's where people are looking to find talent. And then uh, there are some people who, uh, once graduation is over, they're going to take the summer off and try and figure out what they're going to do. And uh, if you're listening or their parents are listening, uh, what can they do to uh, improve their prospects uh, once they do enter the job market in August and September? Well, I think that it's much better to go on vacation uh, when you have a job than to come back from vacation and start looking. Uh, that's not necessarily what anybody wants to hear. You know, I've spent my four years or eight years or whatever it is working really hard to get this degree. But uh, it, when you when you take yourself out of that pace and then try to come back into it, uh, it's more difficult to, to get into the market. The most successful job search people are always those that are just you know tenacious about exposing themselves to opportunities. And I think the critical thing for everybody to think about is it's not the job, it's the offer. Your goal is to get an offer. You don't have to take it. But if you don't develop and maintain a system which increases the likelihood that you're going to get an offer, it's going to be a longer search for you. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Google strengthens its position in artificial intelligence. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Mayor-elect Brandon Johnson announces more of his leadership team. New rules that are enforced today will impact families seeking asylum in the U.S. In Technology Thursday, the latest in artificial intelligence from this week's Google Developers Conference, Airbus and other companies believe the future will feature hydrogen-powered planes instead of electric airliners. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed right now. The Dow is down 284 points. The NASDAQ is up 6. The S&P 500 is down 15. We have 79 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies going up to 82, cooler along the lakefront. It's 12.30, topping our news at the half hour. Incoming Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson is naming more of the key players in his administration. S. Mayumi Grigsby will be Director of Policy, while Annette C.M. Guzman will take on the role of budget director. In addition, Jill Jaworski will be the chief financial officer and Jennifer L. Johnson will serve as the deputy mayor of education, youth and human services. The swearing in ceremony for the new mayor is set for Monday. A new White House policy will require migrant families seeking asylum to undergo home curfews and GPS tracking while it's determined whether they should be allowed to stay in the country. The program will impact adults who cross the U.S.-Mexico border unlawfully with minor children. It will allow federal agents to monitor migrant families and locate them if they're found ineligible for U.S. protection without having to hold them in detention centers. 
It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed today. We're joined by Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Gary, thank you for joining us today. The inflation news, at the very least, is encouraging based on the uh, CPI yesterday and the PPI numbers out today. But uh, the Dow has uh, been sagging the last couple of days. So what's explaining uh, some of this market activity? Um, you know, every now and then the market tends to look one way and then the next day look the other. I can tell you flat out over the last week or so, the market is selling off everything what I call economically sensitive, the things that benefit most on a strong economy and parking that money, A, into interest rate uh, sensitive areas because rates are coming down. So housing strong, but you're seeing also a major relative strength in the mega cap tech here and it feels like that's money being parked into the most liquid dependable names that's making the nasdaq today amazingly up while the dow's down 287. the other part to mention the advanced decline figures on a daily basis are not very good today with the nasdaq up it's two to one negative so it tells you it's very very narrow and i think you got to probably be careful as we head into uh the summer months here I think the market's really starting to say that coming forward, uh, there could be some uh, economic uh, weakness. And it seems like also we're, we're getting some, some more banking anxiety once again today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have one little motto I've been saying on TV every time, watch the stocks. They will tell you everything. And one stock that is really front and center right now is PacWest, uh, P-A-C-W. That's down another uh, 20-some-odd percent today. And the worry is, who's next? And all I can tell you, if there's more, it doesn't uh, instill a lot of great uh, confidence, especially when you have the Treasury Secretary and the head of the central bank saying, hey, don't worry, everything's okay. While three big banks, which, by the way, assets total more than all the banks that went under in 08. So, uh, again, confidence is a huge intangible for the market and its psyche. And uh, I think there's uh, quite the loss of confidence when you see the banks continue to be under pressure. And uh, for, for, for this looming deadline over the uh, debt ceiling and the, and the very real possibility of default, assuming a, a deal is not uh, either hammered out or there is an agreement for a temporary uh, boost in the debt ceiling, and then you re- revisit this in just a couple of months, uh, it, it's not showing up in the markets just yet. Uh, We'll need a couple of hours to discuss this one, my friend. Uh, (laughs) You know, the big con is they say, well, we have to raise the debt ceiling because we already spent the money. Why spend the money first? Why do you keep doing this? It's just, look, the the amount of debt and deficits that we have and are going to have going forward is just simply unsustainable. And eventually, uh, there's going to be some serious, serious repercussions if we're not already seeing a, a little bit right now. Uh, I was on TV earlier. The U.S. Treasury just came out and said this year we're approaching $1 trillion of interest, of interest, not for roads and bridges and the elderly and children in need and things like that, on interest because of all this debt. And again, there's going to be a day of reckoning and uh uh, I, I don't know when or what point, but it's it's getting worse, and uh, nobody's doing anything about it. 
Gary Kulpbaum, President of Kulpbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Thanks for joining us today. Find him online at GaryK.com. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, Google is upping its AI game. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and Google has announced new products and tools featuring artificial intelligence. Let's get an update from Jennifer Jolly, USA Today Tech Life columnist based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. And Google is announcing it's introducing AI into its search platform. So what does that mean for the average user who wants to Google something? How will AI make that experience better? Right. Well, if you've had a chance to play around with Google's BARD AI, Genitrive AI, or ChatGPT, that's what you're going to start seeing now when you use Google. If you sign up, you you have to go online, you have to sign up for it. Uh, They say, you know, we'll let you be a tester soon. And then a little kind of uh, like a lab, uh, a little uh, beaker will appear on your Google search page they should let us in in the next day or two to start testing that. So once you do it, an AI-generated text will appear above the usual links and ads, and it will summarize information that they draw from across the web. Maybe a query about, you know, Britain's new king might be met with a couple of paragraphs summarizing the event. Or if you ask about e-bikes, the Google alg- algorithms can list bullet point takeaways of product reviews from all the top SEO search product reviewers from Consumer Reports to Wired Magazine to Wirecutter to my own reviews. So you'll see those, those trusted reviews will pop up on top. Fewer ads, they're saying, more actual buying advice from people who do this for a living. And one of the big gripes that uh, people seem to have with Google these days is that they say the the paid search results and the uh, search engine optimization uh, gaming of the algorithm has mm-hmm. made Google res- Google searches almost useless. And will AI improve that experience? AI is supposed to improve that experience. They have been telling us all kinds of things, how they're taking a responsible and deliberate approach to bringing these new generative AI capabilities into search. You know, that is the hope. That is also um, the concern. We really need to see a lot more transparency. Google double, triple, quadruple down on the promise of that yesterday. Now we need to really see if that comes through. And then how is the industry uh, watching Google's AI announcements? Because uh, Microsoft is already in the game with Bard. Uh, Everybody is playing around with ChatGPT. And, of course, Google being one of the biggest names in tech, uh, how is the industry uh, evaluating these announcements? Yeah, Google Bard, Microsoft Bing, uh, the industry has gone all in. They're, they are in an AI arms race with each other. They all want to beat each other to the punch. And this is a real concern across society. If you think that you won't be impacted by AI, think again. This new technology will impact every human being on the planet unless you are completely off-grid, under a rock. It is very much like the invention of the internet. You know, people thought, oh, I'll never, you know, have a cell phone. Well, guess what? Those inventions have touched everybody. This is the next big one. So really, 
people are looking to Google and the other massive platforms, the Apple, the Microsoft of the world to say, can you bake ethics? Can you bake responsibility? Can you bake some of those things into this next huge wave of technology so it doesn't threaten all of humanity? And I I sound very dramatic, but that is really the questions that we're asking and the concerns we all have right now. Well, it's very interesting very quickly that you note that because this is the first uh, product uh, rollout in which the CEO of Google says, um, we're, we're developing, we're, 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 we're developing this new technology, and uh, we don't know what's going to happen with this infernal device, which uh, it's a long way away from uh, people dancing awkwardly to the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I mean, we, we are all worried, and every major uh, leader of every nation, major nation, every major leader of every major big tech company, everybody's saying, whoa, slow down, we need to put some regulations the tech companies are pointing to the government. The government's pointing back to the tech companies. We, the very people who live, breathe, and use these gadgets and this technology every day, we're the ones who will be most impacted. So this is a, an incredible time in history. We need to enter it with caution, with care, be more vigilant than ever about the information that you're getting online. Always look for backup sources. And just be careful. We are wading into completely unknown territory. And we know one thing, and that is that we can't totally trust any of these guys. We can't trust what Google's saying. They're saying they're, they're being careful. That's yet to be seen. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist, USA Today. Thank you for joining us today. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Europe-based Airbus is one of the companies exploring hydrogen-powered planes instead of leaning electric. Let's learn more from Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And and when it comes to uh, finding uh, sustainable and alternative fuel sources for jet aircraft, uh, there are a couple of considerations. There's obviously the CO2 uh, emissions component, but there's also the cost component. And that uh, in Chicago, if you want to fill up a a Boeing 777 extended range aircraft for that flight to Europe, it'll cost you about uh, $104,000 per tank to gas up that plane. That's right. It's it's slightly more than the average F-150 Ford uh, pickup truck. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Um, But only a bit, yes. Uh, But look, fuel and and its alternatives um, have been in play for a long time. Just to put things in perspective, hydrogen-powered aircraft, the good news about it, if you're looking at it generally speaking, is emissions, right? The only emission from a hydrogen-powered vehicle is water vapor. Uh, that's good. In other words, not not heat, not, uh, not certainly not CO2, and so on. So the the challenge with hydrogen powered aircraft is mostly the standard challenges with any fuel that goes on an aircraft, and that's weight, weight to density. In other words, you could put a hydrogen uh, powered jet engine in a, in an airplane, but the fuel. Here's the good news: the hydrogen is about three and a half. Pardon me, about three times more energy per unit weight than liquid fuel. Great problem. Hydrogen is not at all dense. You have to pressurize it so much um, that, and lower lower its temperature that it's extremely difficult to make it uh, to make it worth you know basically to fit it in the aircraft. So those are the challenges, and it's being worked on right now. And by, as you said, in within about seven to eight years, uh, Airbus is testing one. Although remember, put it in put it in perspective. On 15 April 1988, 
uh, a Russian Tu-155 took off uh, using hydrogen power. So it, it can be done. And uh, what, what's the safety component, though? Because let's uh, what if, what if there is an accident? Uh, what what happens uh, if the hydrogen powered plane crashes? Um, the same thing happens if a if a liquid fuel airplane crashes. Unfortunately, I'm laughing only because I'm whistling by the graveyard here. And that is to say, it's not a it's not a good outcome. Both are highly explosive for reasons that are obvious. In other words, you need that explosive power to run the engine, um, either to power an electrical uh, device that powers the the jet engine, or just to uh, burn the energy in hydrogen to get that. So, in a nutshell, neither are more or less safe than the other. But it is true that both have technical challenges. Yeah, just it has the uh, the energy to push an airplane. Like that's that line in the movie Running Scared. Uh, how much electricity does it require? Enough to push a train, and in this case, enough to get a plane off the ground. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us today. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.